Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining Church on the Real Real. That's R-E-E-L, as in the multi-platform broadcast. R-E-A-L, as in having a genuine conversation or true dialogue about faith-based issues. I'm your host, Donna Means. In my Christian experience, prayer was stressed greatly, but there was little training on the subject itself. My former pastor used to say, if you can count how many times you prayed today, you haven't prayed enough. Although I never verbally asked the question as a child, I often wondered, how does one pray so frequently they would lose track. However, it was not the only question I had about prayer. For example, we can agree that God is sovereign, all-knowing, and all-powerful. Since this is the case, then why are our prayers necessary when he knows what we need before we do? Is God driven to take decisive action to modify our reality because of our prayers? If all requests are subject to God's will and not ours, then does it really matter if we pray or not? These are questions that stretch both human understanding and the divine imagination. Today, I want to discuss our personal requirements in prayer. People will cite many reasons for their rejection of God. One of these main reasons will commonly be related to prayer. These people lose faith in God after submitting petitions that are not answered in the way they expected or at all. Perhaps their disillusion arises from a lack of understanding and relationship with God. Some people use prayer as a wish list of things they want to happen in their lives. When their demands are not met, they become cynical and their perception of God shifts. When we use prayer to submit our wish list, we are reducing our all-powerful, all-knowing, and almighty God to Santa Claus. We must recognize that prayer is a deliberate dialogue with God in which we express our love and appreciation, repentance, supplications, along with our intercessions. Prayer is purposeful dialogue and not meaningless monologue. The distinction between dialogue and monologue is the number of speakers. When we pray, we should be mindful that we are not presenting a monologue to God. Our goal is to engage in a conversation with God. One of the ways that we develop our relationship with God is through prayer. God arranges and rearranges our lives through this intimate bond, just as he does with the world around us. Prayer is a vital component of our relationship with God that takes various forms and positions. We can pray privately, publicly, in a family or group setting, while using a planned prayer or one that comes to us organically. However, prayer involves more than just saying words. According to scripture, living a life of prayer is being open to God in all we do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 22 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. These verses serve as a reminder that our joy, prayers, and expressions of gratitude should not change in response to our circumstances or emotions. Being cheerful, praying constantly, and giving gratitude 
are three principles that commonly go against our natural tendencies. But when we consciously choose to follow God's instruction, we will find it simpler to be glad and grateful when we follow God's desire. We cannot spend all our time on our knees, but we may have a prayerful mindset at all times. The attitude is founded on understanding our reliance on God, realizing his presence inside us, and resolving to totally obey him. Then we will find it normal to pray frequently, spontaneously, and briefly. A prayerful attitude should be an outgrowth of regular times of prayer, not a substitute for them. The Apostle Paul was not teaching in this verse that we should praise God for everything that happens to us, but in everything. For example, we should not praise God for evil because it does not originate from him. But even when tragedy comes, we may be glad for God's presence and the good that he will achieve through the adversity. By warning us not to put out the Spirit's fire, Paul emphasizes that we should not disregard or dismiss the Holy Spirit's gifts. Spiritual gifts may be contentious and cause discord within a congregation. Some Christians would rather suffocate the blessings than strive to fix the issues. This devastates the church. We must not stifle the work of the Holy Spirit in anyone's life, but rather encourage the full development of these skills for the benefit of the entire body of Christ. Before we pray, we need to ensure that we are approaching God with the right mindset and posture. There are both personal and general requirements of prayer. Today, we're going to just discuss the personal requirements. The first requirement would be purity of heart. For us to have a healthy prayer life, we must have a pure heart. When engaging in our conversation with God, we must do so in complete sincerity and honesty. Psalms chapter 66 verse 18 through 19 states, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Because we continue to sin, we must confess our sins on a regular basis. True confession, on the other hand, requires us to listen to God and want to stop doing what is wrong. For example, King David confessed his sin and prayed in Psalm chapter 19, verse 12 through 13. And it reads, But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. Hidden faults are sins that we do, but do not identify as such. We commit them without realizing we are doing so. Nevertheless, we are still held accountable for our actions and will pay the cost at the end. Ignorance of the law is not an acceptable justification. Presumptuous sins are intentional sins committed with the knowledge that they are wrong. Presumptuous sins are an act of disobedience because we are willingly engaging in behavior that goes against God's will. Presumptuous sins are spiritually detrimental. God's people are concerned not just with avoiding purposeful sins, but also with uncovering hidden faults done inadvertently. We stay oblivious to many of our sins and character faults because we frequently allow our carnal 
natures to control us until God discloses them to us via the Holy Spirit. When we refuse to repent and or when we harbor and cherish certain sins, we place a wall between us and God. We may not be able to remember every sin we have ever committed, but our attitude should be one of confession and obedience. James chapter 4 verses 2 and 3 says, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Old Camel Knees James covers three of the most common concerns in prayer in this section. We fail to ask God. We make incorrect requests. We make requests for the wrong reasons. Consequently, we do not want to approach God with the wrong mindset and motives. The second requirement is believing. So this prerequisite of prayer is faith. Believing is the act of putting our complete confidence in God without hesitation or reservation. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This indicates that faith sees beyond what our eyes see and into something higher than ourselves. Faith has power because it believes in things that are not visible to us at this moment or place. Faith does not have to be limited to our spiritual concerns. It may also be used to practical problems. If we have concerns about our capacity to attain a goal or lack trust in ourselves, these concerns become limits that prohibit us from achieving that objective. For example, an athlete who lacks confidence in their ability to participate well in an upcoming event performs below their potential and misses out on the possibilities they could have otherwise taken advantage of if they had more trust in themselves. Jesus and the disciples are traveling in Matthew chapter 21 verses 18 through 22. And it says, early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately, the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? They asked. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What was Jesus' reasoning for cursing the fig tree? This was not a careless outburst of rage, but rather an acted out parable. Jesus was expressing his displeasure with the superficial religion from a distance. Jesus saw the fig tree appear attractive, but upon closer inspection, it proved useless. Similarly, while the temple appeared spectacular 
at first glance. Its sacrifices and other activities were empty since they were not performed honestly to honor God. We are like the fig tree that wilt and perish because it gave no fruit. If we merely pretend to have faith, but do not put it to work in our lives. Bearing fruit for God's kingdom is what genuine faith demands. Many people have issues about Jesus's response to the disciples in verses 21 and 22. When Jesus says, if we have faith and don't doubt, we can move mountains. Jesus was not recommending that the disciples do arbitrary mountain moving deeds using prayer as magic. Instead, Jesus was emphasizing the disciples and ours lack of faith. This verse is not a guarantee that we can get anything we want simply by asking Jesus and believing. God does not grant requests that would hurt us, others, or violate his own nature and or will. Jesus promises in this passage is not a blank check. For our requests to be fulfilled, they must be in harmony with the principles of God's kingdom. The stronger our belief, the more likely our prayers will be in line with God's will. And then God will be happy to grant them. The third requirement is the power of Jesus' name. John chapter 14 verses 12 through 14 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. In verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus tells the disciples to make their requests using the qualifier in my name. Please keep in mind that Jesus does not say, I will grant you anything you ask for. He also did not declare, I will fulfill your request as long as you include the magic words in Jesus' name. Christ promises to perform everything requested in my name. It means that the individual is requesting something in accordance with Christ's desire and nature. The last requirement we're going to talk about today is according to God's will. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 tells us, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The emphasis here is on God's will rather than ours. We do not demand what we want when we interact with God. Instead, we discuss with him what he wants for us. If we match our prayers with his will, he will listen. And if he listens, he will give us a definite answer. What is God's will for us? God's will is to save us and make us partakers in his divine nature. We should be partakers of the good things which he has provided for us by Christ. We should not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John chapter 15 verse 6 says, If you do not remain in me, 
you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. In this text, Jesus teaches using the metaphor of vines and branches. Verse 6 discusses abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ means believing that he is God's son. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Doing what God says, 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Continuing to believe in the gospel, 1 John chapter 2, verse 24. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Relating in love to the community of believers, Christ's body. John chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. It is our privilege to understand what God's plan is for our lives. It is not enough to know what our needs are. We must also know how to pray in such a way that our petitions are brought before the throne of God. Knowing what we need is only half the fight. To receive what we desire, we must be prepared to go to whatever length to ensure that our souls are clean and pure before God, which includes having confidence in him. When we pray, we must trust that he hears us and will respond to our requests in accordance to his will. In summary, prayer is relational and connects us to God. Through prayer, we worship, confess our faults, make petitions to God, and wait for him to speak. It has tremendous power. God not only hears our prayers, but also responds to them. Our prayer requests have a meaningful influence on the world and the lives of individuals we pray for. Prayer brings about serenity. When we are at our wit's end, scripture urges us to entrust our worries to God, who will give us peace of mind. Prayer protects us. We have Almighty God on our side. Jesus shows believers the importance of praying for protection and deliverance. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Please join me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. My handle is Church on the Real Real. On Twitter, it is Church on the Real, R-E-E-L. Please like, follow, and share the content with others. Additionally, on the Anchor.fm platform, you can leave a voicemail message on each podcast or respond to the survey questions. Again, thank you for tuning in. Please join me next week. Until then, God bless.